Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. There were two more murders 15 miles when away. Arrived, they found the telephone the electricity line. Weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Morning. Cup of murder. On May 7, 1896, a truly despicable man was executed for his crimes. A man who almost everyone knows as America's first serial killer. We recognize his name and his murder castle in Chicago. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. H.H. Holmes was born Herman Mudgett in Gilmanton, New Hampshire on May 16, 1861. Some reports about his childhood claim that, from a young age, Holmes exhibited all the telltale signs of a modern-day serial killer. He was known to have suffered from abuse at the hands of his father, which he took out on stray animals who crossed his path. But other reports claim there is no such proof that his childhood was anything but normal. At 16, the intelligent boy graduated high school and began looking for teaching jobs near Alton, which is where, on July 4, 1874, he married Clara Lovering and the two had a son a few years later. But their marriage wasn't the stuff of fairy tales. Holmes was known to get violent with his wife, and while he was still attending university, Clara left him and moved back to New Hampshire. By 1884, Holmes had passed his examinations at the University of Michigan's Department of Medicine and Surgery and was ready for a new job in the medical field. It is worth noting that, during his time in medical school, Holmes was known to have stolen cadavers from the laboratory, burned or disfigured them, and planted them to look as though they had died in a tragic accident. He would later collect their insurance money once they were discovered. It was a clever way of making money, and at this point, no one was getting hurt in the process. Yet. With a degree in hand, Holmes traveled to Philadelphia and took a position at a drugstore, a job he had to quickly leave after suspicion landed on him when a boy died after taking medicine purchased from the store. He headed to Chicago with a new name, Henry Howard Holmes. In late 1886, Holmes added bigotry to his list of crimes when, while still married to Clara, he married Myrta Belknap. He would do this a second time in 1894 to a woman named Georgiana Yoke. They had a daughter together in 1889 and Holmes spent most of his time in the city on business. When he arrived in Chicago in 1886, he met a woman named Elizabeth Holton, who owned a drugstore in Englewood. He took a job with her, and after proving himself a hard worker and a valuable employee, 
she offered to let him buy the store. He accepted and by 1887 bought the empty lot across the way and began the construction of his two-story mixed-use building. On the second floor would be apartments and on the first would be retail spaces, including a new drugstore. He had men working around the clock on this building, many of which he didn't pay, and kept rotating and firing in order to keep them from noticing the strange additions on the blueprints. Things like soundproof rooms, hallways that more resembled mazes, some even ending in dead ends, a number of chutes that dropped into the basement, and a number of hidden passages. Then came the news that, in 1892, the World's Columbian Exposition, or World's Fair, was coming to Chicago. With that, Holmes added a third floor, telling investors and suppliers that this would function as a hotel during the outburst of tourism. This three-story death trap would soon be considered the infamous murder castle. After construction was finished in 1891, Holmes placed ads offering jobs to young women, as well as advertising the castle as a place for lodging. The only catch? Before moving into the beautiful new building, you had to make Holmes the sole beneficiary of your life insurance policy. But don't worry, he would pay all of the premiums, you just had to write down his name. Once these tenants were in their new lodgings, some would find themselves asphyxiated by an unseen gas line leaking poison into their rooms. Others would find their bodies sent down chutes that led to the basement filled with acid vats, quicklime, and a crematorium. Once their bodies were dissected, organs often sold on the black market, and stripped of their flesh, their skeletons were sold as models to the local medical schools. One of his earliest victims was his own mistress, Julia Smythe. She and her husband moved into the castle while Julia worked at the jewelry counter in the pharmacy. After her husband, Ned, found out about the affair, he moved away and left Holmes and Julia to continue their relationship. On Christmas Eve of 1981, both Julia and her daughter, Pearl, disappeared and were never seen or heard from again. Holmes claimed that she died from an abortion gone wrong, but none of this has ever been proven. He did something very similar to another mistress, Emmeline Sagrande, in 1892, and another woman named Edna Van Tassel. Then there was Minnie Williams, who moved to Chicago in early 1893 and was hired as Holmes's personal stenographer. Once she signed the deed to her property in Texas over to Holmes, and her sister came to visit the new couple, both women disappeared on July 5, 1893. These were just some of the potential 200 victims who went into the castle and would never exit. And when the World's Fair rolled around, the castle became the premium spot for tourists. Tourists who never came back home. Oh, and he wasn't working alone. A friend and accomplice, Benjamin Pizel, would, once the fair was over and tourism was down, travel the U.S. committing insurance scams with his friend H.H. Holmes. They would steal horses from Texas, ship them to St. Louis, and sell them for a fortune. These schemes eventually landed Holmes in a prison where he met Marion Hedgepath. The two concocted a plan to swindle an insurance company out of $10,000 by taking out a policy on himself and faking his own death. He would give Hedgepath a $500 commission in exchange for the name of a lawyer who could be trusted with the plan. A suspicious company ruined this plot, so he changed his target to Benjamin Pizel. Benjamin would fake his death, and his widow would collect the policy, 
which would then be split amongst the men involved. Except for Holmes, it was actually easier to kill his once partner. He chloroformed the man and set his body on fire. When Benjamin's body was presented, the insurance company made their payout. He then convinced Benjamin's widow, who knew about the plan, that he was still alive and well. He was, however, worried that one of his five children might alert the authorities. So he somehow convinced the woman to let half of the kids stay with him. He kept the family traveling throughout the U.S. to Canada on different routes, lying about where they were, as well as saying that Benjamin was hiding out in London. Eventually, Holmes took care of the children in his custody. He forced Alice and Nellie into large trunks and filled them with gas before burying their nude bodies in a cellar in Toronto. And later, Howard's teeth were found in the Holmes chimney, along with bone fragments. Just when it seemed that Holmes was about to get away with more murders, Marion Hedgepath, angry he had not been given the money from the insurance scam, told police all about the plan. Holmes was arrested in Boston on November 17, 1894, and held on an outstanding warrant for the Texas horse windles. Once in custody, Holmes acted strange and suspicious. So police began investigating his castle, and soon found all of its strange secrets. In October of 1895, H.H. H. Holmes was tried for the murder of Benjamin Pizel and found guilty. He was sentenced to death. While in prison awaiting execution, Holmes confessed to 27 murders, a number that soon increased to 130, though many believe the number may exceed 200. Only nine could be confirmed. It's hard to tell with a crime so sensational and so old what is true and what is the work of fictitious pulp magazines. Regardless, H.H. Holmes was hanged on May 7, 1896, seven days before his 35th birthday. And if you were hoping to visit this famous murder castle, the hotel was mysteriously set on fire shortly after his arrest. It was rebuilt and served as a post office until 1938. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on May 8th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. 
Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.